Praise the Lord. Are y'all ready? Yeah. All right, please stand to your feet. Let's give some real love to a very important, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. A very important, it's a very important minister in the body of Christ. He's been doing this a long time. He's one of the pillars in the United States, especially for the body of Christ growing strong in the healing power of God. Okay. And he's well known uh, around the nation. Okay. So you have to recognize some importance and value in ministers. Okay. And so let's give Brother Jim Hockaday some real love, some real heartfelt thanks and gratefulness to God. Come on up, brother, and take us on. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's just lift our hands toward the Lord. Father, we dedicate this night to the presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you sent him that we might be filled with your spirit and walk in power and walk in dominion. And I thank you, Lord, every one of us born again qualifies to walk in that wonderful glory of God. So, Father, from the very moment we open this word, the presence of God will begin to flood the hearts and bodies of these people. And healings will begin not just in a healing line, but right now in your precious name. In that name which is above every name, that name of Jesus. Come on, everybody, say that name. Jesus, we worship you. And we give you praise. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Hey, how many will believe right now from this very moment pain will begin to desist in your body, will begin to leave? How many believe that? Amen. Well, then the next few moments, I don't mind in this service tonight, you guys raising hands while I'm ministering. We'll, we'll get your testimony right where you are, okay? This is, you know, we don't have to wait on God. He's waiting on you. Let me say something. For years, we've, we've coined certain phrases that are not helpful to our thinking. One of those phrases is, I believe I received my healing, but I'm waiting on the manifestation. That's a bad phrase. Because the manifestor is the one that brings the manifestation. That's the Holy Ghost. And you're not waiting on God. He's waiting on you. In fact, isn't it interesting that the first individual personality mentioned in the scriptures is the second verse of the whole Bible. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Well, what was he doing? It shows action and it mentions him first. So there's importance to that. He was hovering. Well, what does hover mean? It's really a word that seems to, to go right along with incubate. So he was providing warmth so as to hatch. In other words, he was in his perspective place exactly where he needed to be, which was ahead of the words being spoken. So if anything, the Holy Ghost is early. He's been waiting on us to get here. Now that we're here and we worship Jesus, he's hovering. Well, how come you're feeling a little warmer now? Well, not because it's cold or uh, warm outside and, and it's coming in, because we've got air conditioning here. It's because the Spirit of God's beginning to manifest on you. See, when the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro, searching whose heart is loyal, that means God's looking for somebody ready to what? Ready to act in some type of action, which is the action of your gestures or your words. Where's the Holy Ghost? He's waiting on you. To do what? Show himself strong on your behalf. 
God hastens to perform his word. That's like a hawk sitting on a wire looking into a field. Well, he knows there's food there. He's just waiting for it to what? Move. When the food moves, so does he. God's waiting on us to move. We're not waiting on him because our belief is so perfect. We're waiting on the manifestation. No, thank God you don't see that. Not in Jesus' ministry. But we coin phrases like that to help ourselves feel a little better about our lack of faith. We say other things like, hey, let's believe for the supernatural tonight. Well, aren't we supernatural? Like what part of that doesn't fit with how we've been made a spiritual being? So now are we making supernatural become something that's an oddity? That we don't normally have. Hey, everybody stretch out your hand. We need a miracle. Like miracles aren't a part of our DNA. So now we need everybody to stretch out our hand in order to get a miracle because I don't walk in that kind of anointing. Well, what kind of anointing do you walk in? Is it the anointing of the Holy Ghost or is it somebody else's ghost? Because if it's the Holy Ghost, then you're walking in the realm of the miraculous. Amen. Amen. And do we want something supernatural or is what we call supernatural natural to somebody who's now born again? Because if what really is natural we call supernatural, then what's your natural? Pain, suffering, sickness, disease, trouble, chaos. So that's what's normal and to be expected. But supernatural and miraculous is something we all got to come together for and believe for in some special way because it's not what we, we, ex we really experience on a normal basis. See, there's ways we can put ourselves behind the eight ball. Where we're not out in front. Out in front is where we just see things like God sees things. Amen. From the moment you're saved, it's not your right anymore to consider your flesh as a part of who you are. Now you're a spiritual being connected to God and you must see yourself as God sees you. So you don't judge after your flesh anymore. Oh, well, your body's hurting, but Jesus said he took your pains. And the more we begin to walk with him, the more we'll actually think like he thinks. Is everybody okay with that? Yes. I just thank God right now it's the most natural thing in the world for somebody, even right this very moment, to have all your pain have disappeared. And you just began to move, you began to twist, you began to realize, oh my goodness, it's gone. Someone's foot, <clears throat> someone's ankle. Who in here needs to run to find out that God's already healed you? Amen? Amen? He said, well, wouldn't I want to know that it's healed first? <laughs> you miss all the fun of what faith's all about. Faith is a very interesting thing because it's uncomfortable to your flesh, but it's the most natural thing you could do to your spirit. And the more you become a spiritual being, the less trouble you'll have with your flesh to do things that seem odd or ridiculous. But while we're learning to become better at being spirits. When your heart is prompted to do something, your flesh says, no, not until I'm well. Don't listen to your flesh. Listen to your heart. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Well, we're so glad to be here tonight. And I'm just kind of feeling the waters out with some, some of you. Amen. I didn't see anybody take uh, that little prompting to actually run. And just so you know, I usually don't go on to the next thing until you like the thing that I actually. 
In healing school, I called out, there's someone here that's got problems with their kidneys and a problem with their lower back. In fact, one of the parts of your spine is in trouble. And no one said anything. No one moved. And so I kept at it for five minutes. Five minutes is actually kind of a long time to stay with that. I got to the point where I said, now the back is right back here. and The kidneys are located here. I started describing it, you know. And so five minutes into it, some lady right over here on the second row, she kind of raised her hand like this. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, well, I've had kidney problems. She said, and I have a disintegrating disc. I said, on the fourth or fifth, whatever. And she said, and the doctors say, if that were to snap, she said that I could be paralyzed for life. And so I said, well, come on down here. Then when she got in front of me, I said, now what part of kidneys and back did you not understand for five minutes while you made me look like an idiot, like I missed it. Come on, tell it. And I said, tell me exactly where that pain is in the back. And she reached like this, I said, turn around. And I just took my fist on, bam, and I slammed her right in the back. And then she hit the floor. I know this isn't a good thing to tell in order to get a healing line, okay? When she hit the floor and then she wasn't moving for a, a, at least a couple of minutes, I started to get a little nervous. <laughs> and even had a couple of visions flash before my face of being behind bars, <laughs> being arrested. And then she began to move. And as she began to move, she began to hoot and holler like an old time Pentecostal. Have you ever heard them hoot and holler? Yeah. Woo, woo, you know? And I looked, I said, you all Pentecostal? She said, yes, I am. I said, how are you doing? She said, oh, my goodness. She got up, could move every which way she needed to move. And then I, then I looked, I said, no, no, you're not done yet. I said, you stay right there. And I went over and saw a little, a little girl, probably about 75 pounds, and I made her carry her all the way around the room just to prove what God did. Amen. And God healed her so wonderfully and so blessed. Amen. Amen. So who in, here, who in here needed to run in order to find out that your ankles and your feet and all were actually healed, that Jesus already touched you right here. There's one right there. Amen. You can give me a high five on the way, sister. Amen. I can tell she just didn't want me to bring her forward. And... <laughs> hey, you made it all the way around. Let me ask you now, and you can give me thumbs up back there. How are those ankles and feet? Oh, amen. Take the braces off. This is good. This is good. Now, just so you know, you know, a healing meeting is not supposed to be like real tidy and everything. You know, people are stretching, they're doing things they couldn't do. There's pandemonium over here, and then it spreads over here. And then someone starts shouting and waving over there, you know. You know, meetings that, that really, where God's moving like that, people are getting it. You don't have to have someone lay hands on you, although, as we share tonight, we'll certainly move to that place. But I just thank God what God's doing for that dear one right back there. Amen. Amen. You know, hurry up. Uh, we don't have all day. 6.30. Are you ready? Now she's got some, 
Some young folks running with her. And come right up here and stop. Now tell me what was going on. The right one is fine. Yeah. But I can still feel some pain in the left one. You still can feel some pain in the left one. Yeah. Is that right? Okay, how good is that right one? Perfect. It is. No pain in the right. Okay, let me, let me ask you a question. If that feels as good as that feels, then you probably have some good feelings about how good it feels, don't you? Yes. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Does God make bad left legs when no. the right legs are good? No. So can you take those amazing feelings in that right leg and give them to the left one? Yes, I can. Just worship him thank just you, for a moment right thank now. You, Lord. And thank him that the thank same you, right feeling. good feelings, whoo, yes. it just went to the left leg. Thank you, Lord. Now see, we'll, we'll test it out. Watch. Here we go. Now go ahead and make a turn. Here. Let's go ahead and make another turn. Here. Well, now check that out. How's that left one doing now? It is getting better. It is amazing, isn't Praise it? Praise the Lord. Yeah, yeah. See, sometimes, sometimes we discourage ourselves. In other words, we say, well, this one, but this. But see, my thought is, well, what if this one's actually just as good as that one? It is. Praise the Lord, it is. Amen. I had a girl, a young lady come up to me. She was real strong. You could tell she must have been an athlete. And she was. She was a college softball player, had a scholarship to a local college. And she came up and she said, I can't lift my arms any higher than this. The doctors don't know why, but I'm going to lose my scholarship. I said, well, what if you could? She said, well, that would be great. I said, well, maybe you can. She said, well, I, no, I can't lift... I'm up any higher than this. I said, what if you could? She said, well, that would be great. I said, well, maybe you can. She goes, well, no, I can't. I said, what if you could? She said, I've already said that would be great. I said, well, maybe you can. She said, I told you I can't. And then she said, what did you do to me? And I said, I don't really think I did anything. <laughs> Isn't that just like the Lord, right? So someone says, well, what really happened there? I kept her heart open long enough for God to do what he does best. Do you know, if, if you're not receiving something, please, you know, I'm going to say this as nicely as I can. You're, you're in your own way. Like God doesn't have a problem being God. He is consistently God. He never changes. <laughs> now, we, we might have quite a time here tonight. <laughs> so what we want to do is help you to get out of your way. And sometimes it's just keeping the heart open to what God wants to do for him to actually do it. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Come on, turn your Bibles over to Mark chapter 5. And don't sit down on me just yet. 
Who in here can already tell that had the fluttering in your hearts? There was at least about five people that came up this morning. Are any of you here that can tell that that disappeared already this afternoon? Those of you that came up, is there anybody here that you came up for the heart? Yes, ma'am. What was it like this afternoon? It was, it was a couple of days ago. It just was beating faster. Right? Uh, Out of, for no reason, right? Yeah. Yeah, and how was it this afternoon? Fine? Nothing. And it's been fine the last couple of days, though, right? It was, so it was just a couple of days ago? All right, well, here's a, here's a really good thing to think about. Just because something comes, it doesn't have to stay. But when, but when it's not there, it doesn't ever have to come back. Right? Right? So what I would do if I were you is I'd take a real brisk walk. Well, I mean, you don't have to do that now. But I'm just saying, I would put, I would, if it were me, I would put pressure on it. Like to say, hey, you'll never come back and I'll prove to you you'll never come back. This is what I'm getting ready to do. And I would go somewhere where someone doesn't even know where it is, where no one knows where it is. So if you die, the buzzers will have to leave them to you. In other words, I wouldn't put myself, well, you know, I better go on a thoroughfare where everybody can see me in case I start to have problems. That way they can rush me to the hospital. I do just the opposite. In other words, everything that makes sense, I would go against that because God's sense doesn't work with what? Earthly sense. Or go for a workout. If you do a workout and you haven't been there in a while, then get your, get your workout gear on and go for that workout and just laugh at the devil the whole time. We, we, really, we really need to stick it to him. He's a liar from the beginning. And Jesus said there is no truth in him. So if he's telling you one thing, it's got to be the opposite. Like I'm going to kill you. Well, how many people tell you that they're going to kill you before they do, so why didn't you already kill me? Maybe it's because you can't. Amen. Did, Amen. did you ever think about the fact that if the devil has had, had the authority for thousands of years, Adam's authority on the earth over all that God created? Remember, Satan turned that over when Adam and Eve took of the fruit. They were disobedient, and that authority went over to the enemy. If he had all that authority, how come he didn't just blow this planet up and take over instantly like that? I mean, if he had all the authority, and if he is evil from the beginning to the end, why didn't he just get rid of everybody and then just live on the planet himself because it was his planet? Is it possible that he actually couldn't use Adam's authority and dominion and power like Adam could? Authority, dominion, and power, and the creative ability of God to use it is for God and man. Satan was not made in the image and likeness of God. Man was. So guess what? He couldn't create realities. He could only pervert that which God created. There you go. So isn't it interesting what the enemy did is he had to get into the mind of the human with distortion so that humans would actually destroy themselves because they were the ones that had power through the creative nature to create new realities, destructive realities, devastation. 
But the enemy can't because he's not creative. So he's got all this power. He's got all this dominion. But he can only use it if he can make you do it. That's the reason why when Moses said, I set before your life and death, blessing and cursing, you choose. Wait a minute. Can life choose? Can blessing choose? Can death choose? And can the curse choose? And the answer is no. They don't have a choice. It's like they're on the buffet. Does the ham jump on your plate without your choice? So there's some people that come back from a buffet and it's packed up to here. I don't know how that got on my plate. I know how it got on your plate. (laughs) You put it on there. Maybe you didn't realize how high it was stacking up, but I mean, you put it on there. It didn't jump off that buffet line onto your plate. Choose me, choose me, and it just jumps off. You're the one that chooses. The devil can't even choose for you. If you don't want death and you don't want cursing, you just don't have to have it. So right here tonight, there's all kinds of healings in this place, not just that dear lady. Healing power is going up and down people's spines right now. Neck problems, back problems, disintegrated discs, herniated discs. They're being healed right now. People can bend over, people can move, people can do calisthenics from one side to the other, couldn't move. Even this morning, got up, we're so stiff. And right now you can move. You say, how do you know it's true? I'm going to share some things with you. And I'm going to share it with you scientifically and prove it to you. Mark chapter 5. Oh, just so you know, you guys did such a nice job. Thank you. We trust that you'll really, really enjoy the books and the materials that you purchased. There are a couple other books out there. The ones that we had, which is the leather-bound Gospel of John. It actually makes a real nice gift for people. That's out there. And also the one identity book that I shared is out there. And there are a couple of these flash drives. They look like credit cards with my picture, but a self, uh, a actual, a, what do you call them? Well, these are USBs, yeah. But if you don't want the picture, you can get a, um, one of those markers and you can just put all kinds of. They work by popping this thing out like this. You pop it out and it becomes the USB that you can use. There's 80, 87 hours on this one. The white one, there's 84 hours. And the blue one, there's about 30 hours on it. And this is the material that I'm going through for Adventures in Grace YouTube channel. Now, in Ventures and Grace, you can get it for free. We don't ever ask for money for anything. Our healing center, there's no money asked for anything. We just tell you to come believing God ourselves that the Lord supplies and he does. Amen? Amen. And so uh, for Adventures and Grace, it's the same thing. There's no, no uh, mention of money at all. So, but you, it'll probably take, oh, I don't know, maybe about three or four years to go through this. So you could have it right away or you can, you can just get 20-minute little bites by Adventures in Grace if you'd like to. But anyhow, some of these uh, flash drives are back there. Okay, Mark chapter 5. And let's just look and see what this says here. It's the coolest thing in the world in the Passion Translation. 
Passion Translation, Mark chapter 5. I'm going to go there. I've got it written down, but I'm going to go there and read a little before what I have written down here, the part that I really wanted you to see. So let's start in verse 25. And there was a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and who had endured much suffering under the hands of the physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but instead grew worse. She had heard the reports concerning Jesus, and she came up behind him in the throng and touched his garment. Now, you do know she was an unclean woman. And as an unclean woman, most of them wore garments that showed that they were either beggars or unclean or leprous. But for sure, we know this, that in culture, if they were to be anywhere near people, they had to call out, unclean, unclean, so people could go around them. So in a sense, you could say, when she went from the place where it was okay for her to live and she stepped off that curb to go find Jesus, she then went past the point of no return. So how much focus was in her first step? It was, I'm healed or I die. Hmm. Now that brings an important thought. Some things that I've been saying for years have been, number one, if you're not willing to be wrong, it'll be very difficult for you to be right. If you're not willing to lose something, it's going to be real hard to, to keep a hold of it or to have it. And if you're not willing to die, it'll be real difficult for you to know what it's like to live. See, it's letting go of you where you actually find you. Amen. And especially letting go of you where you actually find him. Amen. Amen? So that's one of the characteristics you'll find with this woman. She stepped off the curb and she knew she wasn't coming back. Either she was going to die, they were going to find her, realize that she had not cried out, unclean, unclean, and they were going to stone her on the spot, or she was going to be able to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. And she said within herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be well. The focus is really, really important. So let's go on. <clears throat> For she kept saying, if I only touch his garments, I shall be restored to health. And immediately her flow of blood was dried. Excuse I'm in the Amplified for some reason. I thought I was in the Passion. Let me go through the Passion translation. And it says here, when she heard about Jesus' healing power, verse 27, she pushed through the crowd and came up from behind him and touched his prayer shawl. For she kept saying to herself, if I could touch even his clothes, I know I shall be or I know I will be healed. Isn't it interesting she didn't touch Jesus, but she touched his garments, which meant that his garments were full of the power. I was over in Brazil doing a meeting, and there were 9,000 people in the room, and there were three balconies, and up on the second balcony was a woman who had been cursed by a witch, and hair grew out of her tongue. She would cut it, and it would regrow. Now talk about disgusting. Right? Well, I couldn't get to her, so I took my jacket off and threw it. When it touched her, that devil came out. All of it disappeared. And she was restored back to normal. Amen. Thank God for the anointing like a storage battery that can get in your clothes. She touched the prayer shawl and the power came out of him. She didn't touch him. 
So go a little further. It says, as soon as her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped. She knew it for she could feel her body instantly being healed of her disease. Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him for he felt the power, listen to this, that always surged around him had passed through him for someone to be healed. Now, the note in the Passion Translation says this. This is a literal reading of a unique phrase in Greek construction. It could be translated, the power that keeps going out of him went out from him. The Aramaic uses the word kael that can be translated dancing, twirling, movement, or vibrations. There was a glorious power that kept going out around Jesus, drawing others to him and healing those who touched him or who he touched. And in this case, healing a woman who touched him in faith. Jesus knew that the power of God was always emanating around him, yet it had flowed through him to someone in the crowd. So now think of this for a moment. Jesus was aware that there was something dancing and twirling and vibrating all around him. It was like Peter's shadow. It didn't just stay in him, it emanated from him. Now the interesting thing is, there were a lot of people that got in that presence and they still weren't healed. But that woman got in his presence with belief. Because belief is energy. Faith is energy. Now faith is what? The substance. Oh, you mean there's actual substance to faith? See, it comes from another world, but in that world, that substance created our world. Let's look over at, at uh, Hebrews chapter 11 for just a moment. Stay with me on this. This is very interesting. The power of God was emanating from Jesus and it was dancing, twirling, and vibrating in and out of him. Creating, if you will, an aura or a presence like a shadow that actually engulfed him. And when others got in that presence, they could get healed just like people did in Peter's shadow. Are you there? It says here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the Passion Translation said, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. In the King James, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, the not seen world is the world of possibilities. All things are possible to them that believe because belief is energy that causes the other world, praise the Lord, to become activated on your behalf. Amen. 
Amen. All right. Praise Amen. In other words, there's activity going on in this room right here tonight. And I'm going to prove that to you. Let's look a little bit further to the third verse. By faith, New King James Version, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. So that were not world that's not visible is activated by your belief. People lose connection to that world when they're looking to the seen world first. The belief is something that you must cherish and not let go in your heart. When Jesus passed by the fig tree and cursed it and it dried up from the the root, God knows how to get to the root. The disciples marveled and said, Lord, look at the fig tree. I mean, you know, what'd you do? And he said, well, have the God kind of faith or have the faith of God. What do you mean the faith of God? Well, if I've got the love of God and I've got the peace of God and I've got the joy of the Lord, of meaning possession, it's God's, but I get, I get it. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. Well, what kind of love? God's love. Agape love has been shed abroad in my heart. I've got all I'll never leave, need for this life and the life to come. Amen. Well, how come I look so mean? Because you're not using any of it. <laughs> right? You got to utilize, you got to use what God gives you. But you can't look to the flesh world to use something that actually first evolves and is in the spirit world. You have to see yourself as a spiritual individual to be able to operate in spiritual things. Therefore, why we study the Word of God. Why I, I endeavored this morning to give you some simple little things for you to begin to connect with God in the simplistic areas of life. Real Christianity is all about hanging out with Jesus. You know, in the Old Covenant, they couldn't hang out with God. In fact, you know, I mean, when God wanted to come down and just say hi, he told everybody for three days to purify themselves and don't touch the mountain. That's like, you know, telling a bunch of kids, you know, a sign that says don't throw stones at the glass. And then kids were going to walk right by that. But when they said don't do it, they, they just looked at Wow, there's a lot of glass. <laughs> and, and it doesn't take long until they just do one of these that feels great, you know? And then they start chucking stones at the glass, right? Because someone said, don't do it. But if there wasn't a sign, you'd just walk, go right on by. A few years ago, we were in Mexico. Aaron loves this story. And, uh, you know, the billboards there, because there's so many people, they, they are, you know, as big as the Empire State Building. That's, that's an exaggeration, but they're huge. And so way off in the distance, I saw this really huge billboard of this, you know, scantily clad, you know, female model. And I thought, you know, when we get up on that, you know, my, I got my right eye right over here. You know, I got a patch on it and I'm just driving down the road. 
She's not paying attention, and all of a sudden she looked up and she saw it, and she said, oh my goodness, don't anybody look to the right. And the whole car went. <laughs> and she said, you all looked. And I said, it's because you said don't. I was prepared a mile away. And I still. <laughs> things that I don't want to do, I do. The things I want to do, I don't do. That's how sin got into the law and made the law forbidden fruit. And then we just dove in and had all the fruit. God wants you to experience him every single day. The old covenant didn't have that opportunity. Don't touch the mountain. How many people died? Thousands. Can you imagine being in that line? Touch, touch, touch. I think I'm going to touch it. Oh my gosh, wake up. You're in the wrong line. It wasn't like on three, let's all touch it. 20,000 of us. No. They saw other people touching it and die. And they went ahead and touched it anyhow. Man couldn't touch God. God couldn't touch man. In the old covenant, the woman had to touch Jesus. In the new covenant, Jesus touches you. Amen. This covenant is all about us experiencing our Father. And the person of the Trinity that's here in the earth is the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? He's the first person of the Trinity that was mentioned in verse number two, which means what God shared with us in verse number two is for us to understand today so we can learn how to operate just like God. God wants us to have the God kind of faith. Well, you know, Jesus went on to tell the disciples, have the God kind of faith. For whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and doubt not in his heart. Do you know what it means, heart means? It means imagination. Right. Don't doubt in the picture that you see. God gives you a picture. Stay with that picture. Don't doubt, because that picture will bring things from the other side into you, because your faith is energy. And it materializes as you stay with it. Let me ask you a question. In the beginning of all things, Holy Ghost is hovering, warming things up. It's kind of like he's the wide receiver. Jesus was the quarterback and the father is the coach. The father sent in the plan. Jesus hikes the ball. He goes back like this, looks around. There's the, the Holy Ghost down. And he throws that ball to the end zone. Holy Ghost is already there catching it. And you got a touchdown. Isn't it interesting? When light appeared, it said, now God saw the light and said that it was good. Why did God see the light? Because that's the Father. Jesus is the voice, light be. The Holy Ghost is hovering. And the Father is the originator of the thought or the plan or the will. Remember Jesus when he was on the earth, he said, I did not come to do my own will, but the will of my Father who sent me. Why was he so, so serious about always hearing what the Father said and saying it and seeing what the Father did and doing it? Because that's the plan that the Holy Ghost will manifest. The Holy Ghost is not going to manifest your plan. He's going to manifest God's plan. Amen. And as the mediator between God's plan and the manifestation, you're going to have to act in faith. Amen. Why did God see 
and say it's good because the father inspected what materialized and he looked at his plan and he looked at the light and he said, that's good. And the 31st verse, after he created everything, he saw that everything was very good. So God's into quality control. Amen. God wants what's manifest to be exactly what he saw before he ever stepped out to manifest it. What do you see tonight about yourself? How do you see yourself? See, if you come seeing things, you don't have to be told you'll start doing things because the presence of the Lord is here. The presence of the Lord is here. The presence of the Lord is here, right? I mean, a woman right there in the back, she gets healed. Well, it's just an ankle. Well, she didn't tell us all about that, but she could come and tell us it's probably more than just an ankle. And if God can get in an ankle, why can't he get in a kidney? If God can get in a kidney, why can't he get into your heart? Why can't he get into your bloodstream? It's no different. God's the one that looks at every sickness and disease as though it's already defeated. We're the ones that, that say, well, you know, that pain's not too bad, but that cancer, it's real bad. God doesn't categorize them. They're all defeated. And if it's defeated, it's defeated. If the devil's a loser, he's a loser. He's not part a loser. It's not part defeated. It's completely defeated. One thing you can be sure of is Jesus does not have to go back into the oven because he got out too soon. God made sure he didn't come out of that grave until every single sin in the heart of every human being, past, present, and future, was accounted for. When we were justified, Jesus came out. When we were declared righteous, Jesus came out. He did not come out of the grave until we were completely justified, completely made righteous. He doesn't have to go back in. It was a once for all sacrifice. Amen. It was applied at the mercy seat of God. And God believes that Jesus did a really good job. God looks at you and believes you've never even been a sinner. He's not remembering anything. It's already been done away with. As far as the east is from the west, he's already removed your sin. We've got to get you to see that. So interestingly, isn't it, that we're not supposed to doubt in our imagination? That would be to go against the picture that God gives you. We're supposed to believe in that imagination. Amen. Now, help me with this for a moment, because scientifically, and I'll give you a couple thoughts here before we go on. Scientifically, if we studied physics, and I've read enough about it, to be able to say what I'm going to say. And if you came up to me afterwards and said, I want to talk to you about some of the deeper areas of physics, I'd say, what? <laughs> but I understand this simple thought. Newtonian physics deals with particles that already exist. Particles, meaning atoms, come together to make materiality. Now, as much as you think that wood oak counter or that slab of granite is 100% perfectly, if you will, 
without any air in between, it's perfectly hard, you're wrong. It's still made up of particles. And there is distance, although extremely, extremely small, in between all the particles. It looks like it's as solid as can be. But it's not. It's still made up of particles. So Newton looked at things that were already put together and came up with laws of physics, like an apple fell to the ground and he said, huh, it didn't go up, it went down. And maybe he threw it up a couple times and realized that what goes up comes down. Newtonian physics is nice because you can deal with something that already exists to come up with a law because it will repeat itself. The problem, if you go past that, because now with all the science that we have, we actually can find out that the atom is not the smallest measurement. That you can break down an atom, and when you break it down, it actually breaks down into what seems to be sound waves, frequencies. They call them quarks. God said, let there be Light and matter appeared out of what? Words, frequencies, sound, waves that seemed not to be until someone gave attention to creation. The moment God decided with a picture, this is what we're going to make, this world that's not became active, waiting on words to be spoken to bring materiality. Quantum physics is very different for, for the scientists because it reacts differently. How does it react differently? It reacts according to who's beholding it. So it will act differently from one person to the next, according to how you behold. Whether or not you give focus or whether you seem to be in and out, let not that man think he'll receive anything of the Lord. He's unstable in all his ways. He's double-minded. See, quantum physics is beginning to discover things we've actually been walking in for years. That's pretty cool. I wonder why the solution to the scorpion bites and to the serpent bites for the children of Israel in the wilderness was to put a serpent on a pole and tell them they had to look with an absorbent gaze and focus on it and something would disappear. Because that attention activated that other world that brought a release of the venom. See, we talked to you this morning about being connected. You can live connected, and if you live connected, things will be twirling, dancing, and vibrating around you. 
Jesus lived in a connection. He didn't do anything unless he saw his father do it. He, he always said what he heard his father say. So he never allowed the world to pull him and distract him. Even his brother said, well, hey, the feast is going on. If you really want to be who you say you're going to be, why don't you go up? Your time is now. Jesus said, it is not my time. He said, but it's always your time. In other words, look at how he protected his heart to always yield to his father and not even yield to family. He was never pressured to go anywhere other than stay true to his father. Even when his soul began to bleed blood in the Garden of Gethsemane and he said, Father, let this cup pass. Not my... He did have a human will. Not my will, but your will be done. Why did he stay with the will of God? That's where that world is active and creative. This is really cool. In Mark chapter 9, do you remember what happened? Just before Jesus and three disciples came back from the mountain, Mount of Transfiguration, who was up there? Peter, John, and James. But when they met a man who had a son that was a demoniac, that had a devil that would throw him into the fire and throw him into the water to try to destroy him, the father came and said, your disciples tried but could not cast it, cast it out. Well, which disciples tried but could not cast it out? Nine of them. Well, why not all 12? Because three of them were in the glory. <laughs> Remember that? Remember Peter blurting out, well, Lord, look, at you're talking with Moses and Elijah. Let's just make a few temples here. And then it says, and the power or the cloud came and overshadowed them. And the message Bible says, and Peter and the disciples, John and James, were what? Were deeply aware of God. Now think for a moment, deeply aware, not aware. In between, a little aware, or a little bit more aware. Where do we want to be? See, when you're deeply aware, that means being aware of God, you're not as aware of you. Mm, we're talking about some prescriptions here for touching this other world. You see, we want to activate it with what? With our faith, because faith is spiritual energy. So now, isn't it interesting when you go back to some of these other verses like Ephesians 3 and verse 20? Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Now think about this. You don't ask unless you thought first. Unless you're Peter. <laughs> You'll do something first before you think. Because Peter was doing really good walking on the water until he began to think. And if you think, you sink. But notice, God's able to do super abundantly above all you ask or think according to, isn't this awesome? It comes together. The power that is at work within you. Notice the power is active. It's active for who? Those who are focused on what God says is yours. Amen. It activates the creative world. 
That's why it's exciting to be people of faith. We don't have to have a result to have a result. We get to actually walk according to what Jesus did and create results. Become a part of the way God does what God does. I know there may be some of you who are hung up on the word create results, but he made us in his creative ability. Man is made as an image and in his likeness. The word image means representation. The word likeness means manifestation. We are manifestations of God. We are representations of God. Why would Jesus say, if in your imagination you committed adultery, it's as though you did it? Because your imagination to the spiritual realm is creativity. It's real. Brother Hagin's on a deathbed at 16 years old and he's reading in the Bible and he gets over there to Mark chapter 11 and he reads, therefore, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And he blurts out loud, Lord Jesus, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but if you were here personally present and you said to me that I don't believe, I'd have to call you a liar because I know I do. And he heard a voice speak up. And the reason why he heard the voice speak up is because he didn't have the TV on and he didn't have the radio on. Come on. There were no other voices. So it was easy to hear the voice of God. He was focused. When the disciples came to Jesus and said, why could we not cast this, this devil out of the boy? The Message Bible says, what a generation. No sense of God. How do you have a sense of God? Remember the scripture we gave you this morning? You go in behind the closed door. You don't make a big show before God. You be there as simply and honestly as you can imagine. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. See, it's in these quiet places that we become quiet enough in our flesh where you can hear who you really are in your spirit. These are keys for you to be able to sense the other world. What What did Jesus say to the disciples when they couldn't cast it out? How come we couldn't cast it out? This kind comes out by what? Prayer and fasting. Do you pray and fast the devil out? No, no, no. You cast it out. So what does prayer and fasting have to do? Well, think about it. If you fast, that means you're taking something of the world and you're saying no and you're turning your back on it. And if you're in prayer, that means you're turning your face toward God. There's your prescription for this world becoming more real than that one. Prayer and fasting is about awareness. In fact, let's just be real simple. Everything is about recognition and awareness. To recognize and be aware of who you are, then you begin to operate as though it's real because it is. Brother Hagin used to always say, the more tangible the anointing is, the more people get healed. Well, why? 
Because people live in the sense realm, and if they can feel heat or warmth or electricity, they believe that they actually have it. Well, I remember the day that he called me out and laid hands on my hands, and the power of God just began to burn like electricity in my hands. And when I talk about it, I can begin to feel that right now. I walked. I didn't know what to do. I'm up on the platform in front of over 10,000 people. And I didn't know if I put my hands in my pockets, if I disrespect the Holy Ghost. I didn't know what to do with it. I'm Baptist. I was Baptocostal. I was trying to convert, you know. <laughs> so I walked to the back, back like this with my hands like a platter. When I got down to the floor, what was in my hands that I could feel began to beat like a heartbeat. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> he's in there. And when I got close to the people, that power came out of my hands and then went up my arms like I had mittens on or oven gloves. Now, the first person they laid hands on, they didn't do one of these Pentecostal charismatic, I'm kind of falling, I don't know if I'm falling, I'm kind of falling, I don't know if I'm falling, I think I'm falling, I'm not sure. Because we used to solve that problem when we were, when we were catching people for Brother Hagin. We weren't smart enough at that time to have 10 people and each one catch one and then just rotate. And then just rotate. There were just two of us and we caught everybody and we would have lines sometimes of two or 3,000 people. One of the things I learned at that particular time is people should maybe not finish all of their lunch. because you can catch some pretty good-sized folks, and if you got another 2,999 to catch, it's gonna be a long night. And there were two of us. I caught the body, and Keith, he was right next to me, he just mirrored me, he caught the head. Well, what happens when Brother Hagin will go, oh, 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 and he start running. So when you get somebody that go, oh, I think I'm falling. No, I don't think I'm falling. Woo! I don't think I'm. I would just help them. Yes, you are. And I pull them down. Sometime on the way down, there were times on the way down, they'd look at me like this. they say, thank you, Jesus. I don't have time for you to figure it out. He's already too ahead of me. Was not an easy job, let me tell you, right here, right now. There's times I caught hair, and I didn't know if it was the bangs or the back, and I was trying to figure it out while it was in my hand, and the lady down, down she went like, she reached up and grabbed it and stuck it, and then went right back down. I thought, I'm really glad she knew what, how to put it on. I prayed for this one lady. She had a perfect globe. Her hair was just a perfect globe. It reminded me when I was growing up in the 70s of one of our lamps that came down long from the ceiling and it was that perfect globe. And it was on her head, but I didn't know if it was hers or not. 
But I felt like when I went up to pray for her, I just felt like I need to just pop her in the head. So I went in the name, pop, and I popped her in the head and that thing went, ee. And I thought, oh, that, she doesn't know what she looks like right now. Woo, that's really bad. So I said, man, praise the Lord, everybody. Everybody's praising the Lord. I said, isn't it wonderful, sister, that Jesus loves you? Straightened it right back up. She just went on shaking for the Lord. So those oven mitts were on, and I got next to that person. I said, in the name... People, there's some friends that said, I saw from the side fire come out of your hands, hit that person. Now they didn't go, whoo, whoo, whoo. They just went, poof, and dropped. And the ushers, oh, weren't ready for that. They missed them. <laughs> it was the most exciting feeling of my entire life. It was like, oh my gosh. I didn't, I didn't want to do it in front of everybody, but I wanted to go, It's like, oh my gosh, these, these babies are loaded. In that same line, I got to someone, and instead of it coming out of my hands, it came out of my elbows. It was like a shotgun. They went over, and the usher went over with them. I stepped back and said, give me that again. That was awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm, heaven's probably going, he's a newbie, isn't he? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm making up my own script, but I'm having a blast. Because that anointing becomes real. Amen. What activates that other world? Come on, quantum physics will tell you that the activation is there, but it's not visible and doesn't come into particles that come into matter until somebody looks. So Paul said, don't look at the things which you see. Oh, well, why not? Because those are subject to change. He said, look at the things you can't. Look at the things you can't see. Because how do you look at something you can't see? Your imagination. Oh, ha, 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 ha. see, you're smarter. You're, you're smarter than I can preach this. You're getting it. In your imagination, you see what God says is real. That realm reacts to you. The devil can't use that realm. He's not creative. He doesn't have an imagination like that. He just perverts what God does. And he uses you. He uses your imagination. So he gets on the TV and he'll work you and work you with certain narratives until you believe that. Then when you believe that, you activate that realm and you bring what is not into particles until it becomes a reality. That's why we said years ago that just because you've got a temptation does not mean you've sinned until you embrace it. Because the moment you embrace something, you make that the reality. Same thing's true just because you've got a symptom. So what? They change all the time. Do you know how many times people will have a symptom that looks like and then it's not? Number three, kill in the world today. Wrong diagnosis, wrong medication. Think about that. What if it's wrong to you? 
When it comes, listen closely, to the world, you should be full of great doubt. You should have great speculation for the world. In other words, something looks really bad. I doubt it. I don't know why I'd believe that. Your conjecture is to say, I don't think so. Amen. Amen. When it comes to God, you embrace it wholeheartedly. Amen. Now, what has the world taught us to do? And even in the churches, something negative happens. We embrace it. Oh, my God, what's going to happen? Oh, Lord, please help me. You've already embraced it. Right. He can't help you. He has to work through you. And you just embraced it. So it's like letting somebody in the house, then trying to get rid of them. It's a whole lot easier to keep the door closed. Amen. See, there's power in this room. How do I know? Well, because he lives in me and he lives in you. Well, why don't we see this power? It has a lot to do with what we're considering. Isn't it interesting, the sixth chapter of, of Romans? And you're going to get to this because pastor's going to go over Romans. The first 10 verses tell you who you are. You died with him. Now you're raised with him. You're dead to the world, and you're dead to sin. And then the 11th verse, it says, Now consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through our Lord. Yeah. You just told me I am. Why now am I considering? Because you consider something to be when it seems like it's not. He told you what you are, but in light of the surroundings and the symptoms of life that come, you're going to have to use what he said is against what it seems like is. And to use it, you're going to have to consider yourself to be dead to that, but alive unto my Lord Jesus Christ. And if I'm supposed to consider myself to be dead to sin, then I must consider myself to be dead to sickness and disease. But alive unto God through my Lord Jesus Christ, filled with healing and health unto my Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to have to convince yourself by holding on to the imagination that God gives you that you're healed, healthy, and well, that you can do anything you want to do. The only thing in life that you can give the devil credit for is he's a nobody, but he's convinced people he's somebody. That's the only thing. We will see him in... In, in, in eternity, Isaiah 14, and we will say to ourselves, is this what caused nations to tremble and brought men to their knees? Amen. We will despise what we are looking at. And some poor soul is going to say, you know, religious head is going to say, oh my God, that can't be the devil. Because he's really big. He's got a pitchfork and he's got horns and he's red and he's got a big, big tail. But other people are going to be smart enough to say things like this. You got to be kidding me. This is what caused me to die at 38 years of age. This is what separated my family. This is what caused a divorce in my family. This is what kept me poor in my life. This is what kept me from ever succeeding in life. This, you're telling me this right here, is what my opposition was and why I struggled all through life? Well, if we're gonna say that eventually, why don't we say that now? Well, brother, you don't understand. I've got multiple sclerosis. Well, we've seen multiple sclerosis healed like crazy. Little girl came to us in the healing center, 16 years of age. She could hardly move. 
Six months after we laid hands on her, she ran up to me one day and she said, hey, do you remember me? And I said, wait, 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 wait. You're the little MS girl. She said, that's right, I am. I said, tell me what happened. She said, well, you laid hands on me and for the next couple of months I got worse. I said, oh. <laughs> you always love that. I said, well, then what happened? She said, well, I went from barely being able to walk to the walker, from the walker to the wheelchair, from the wheelchair to the bed, and the doctors gave me up to die. She said, but while I was on that bed, I began to think about your sermon. Do you remember what you preached? I said, I actually do. I said, I made some dumb comparisons to the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ being green, kind of like, you know, in the day that I grew up in the 60s and 70s, the sci-fi movies were horrible. Special effects didn't really even exist. And when they'd shoot the Martian, food coloring of red or green would come out of them and clump to the floor. I said, what if the blood of Jesus in your blood was green and it just ate up every sickness, every disease? Because the life is in the blood. She said, I began to remember, I began to think of that, the green blood. She said, after two weeks of thinking of that, I went from the bed to the wheelchair, from the wheelchair to the walker. From the walker, I threw it down one day and took off running. Look at me. The doctors say they can't find it. Oh, that other world was there all the time. But when she began to put the pieces together, she began to focus on it, praise the Lord, and get her mind off of her body, but see things like they are in heaven. That material came particle to particle, particle to particle, until it began to drive out multiple sclerosis. Her cells became well, and all of a sudden raised her up, praise the Lord. Somebody's body's getting an overhaul in this room today. It might as well be everybody, but it could be just one. Isn't that interesting? That in the scriptures, you'd have one person in the midst of many, and only that one got the healing. The power that was coming out of him, dancing, twirling, vibrating. He knew it was coming out of him. What did it look like? The Mount of Transfiguration. Lightning began to come off his skin. Rays of glory began to come out of every part of his body. Was it in a halo? It came out of every part of his body. See, when you begin to experience a little bit of that glory on you coming out of you, then all of a sudden it starts to make sense. This other world is real. We're not making it up. There's more to us than we've imagined. You can look at yourself in the mirror and think that's you, your body. That's just the house you live in. The guy that's inside that body, the person inside is filled with Jesus, the resurrected and the glorified Christ. Come on, what we see on the Mount of Transfiguration isn't anything compared to what he is now seated at the Father. He now has all of the power. Seeming to indicate if he said all power has been given unto me when he rose from the grave, then maybe he didn't walk in all of that power before. 
Especially when over in John 17, he said, Father, I finished your work. I've completed your assignment. Now glorify me with the glory which I had from the very beginning. Well, what do you mean? You had it from the beginning. Where is it right now? Well, remember, he laid aside his privileges as God to walk as God, and he came as a man. So even what we saw in the Mount of Transfiguration wasn't all the fullness of God. And yet look at what we saw. Oh my goodness, it was so bright. It was brighter than the sun on snow. And we would know something about that in Colorado. You can get so bright out there, you gotta wear sunglasses because you're over a mile up in the air and the sun is so intense. 30 degrees out and you could be out like this if the sun's out because it's warm, beautiful. And it's 75 degrees right now. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> but think of the glory that was coming out of him that's coming out of you Amen. who's being healed in here right now somebody's getting touched by God who else yes ma'am what's happening my hips are burning yeah you have pain in your hips a lot you can do whatever you want. You want to do a backflip? Or do you want to make it a little easier and, huh? Go ahead and move on those hips. Amen? Yeah, what's going on? Isn't it wonderful that you don't feel anything? It's wonderful, isn't it? Praise the Lord. And did you used to have difficulty with your legs being the same size and everything? The length? Well, I know they're, I know they're perfect right now. If you want to come over here, we'll, we'll prove it. Go, go right next to my wife and sit down and put your hindsight right back against that reserve sign right there. I said that okay. Why are you laughing? Push back. And just give me your feet and you'll see. Oh, look at your, look at right there. It's perfect. Amen. They're perfect sized. So you're good to go. I'm good. Amen. Yoga classes, whatever you want to do, you know, exercise classes. You know, you can do it all now. Praise God. Amen. Who else is being healed? Who else is being healed? See, this other world right now is activated. Energy, life, and when your faith, which is spiritual energy, activates with this other world, you can't help but be healed. Things change. Now, don't, don't, don't be worried. Things should change quicker than later. Just because for years we've not seen as many things in the church world. I know you've seen things here. doesn't mean that we're not supposed to. If Jesus' ministry was like most preachers, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. He would have been a friend of the Pharisees. They were all healed. They were all healed. Even the ten lepers. They were healed as they went. Well, how long did went take? Well, obviously not that long because the guy goes, I'm healed, and then he goes back and finds Jesus in the same place he was and says, oh my goodness, this is amazing. So many preachers use that to say, see, it takes some time. Well, it didn't take much time. I mean, even Job was just really about a year, nine months, the whole, the whole book of Job. So if it was really, really bad, it was only for about nine months, and then it got <laughs> amazingly good. So we have to get used to what? Quicker answers to prayer. God's not holding them Back. Amen. How many in this room, you, you want hands laid on you tonight to be healed? It's okay to raise your hand. It's all right. Amen. Lift up your hands. When's God going to touch you? You know, right now is a better 
answer than when you lay hands on me. He's touching you already. Our faith when we touch you is just going to energize this whole thing. Tip it off. People are going to experience Jesus. Don't you love it? Man, you know what? There's nothing like, I mean, if you're already a soul winning church, there's nothing like taking a testimony to somebody about what the Lord's done for you. The connection to this other world is just so powerful. And it's so much more simple than we've made it. And I'll tell you this last story. I got an email that said, I have a friend. She's 38 years old. She has an eight-year-old boy. She has fourth-stage cancer. It's gone all through her bones and lymph nodes. The doctors have given her up to die. Would you pray for her? I wrote her back and said, would she receive my call? The lady wrote back and said, I'll find out. The next day, got an email that said she would love to talk with you. I called her up. Her name is Natasha. When she found out she had cancer, her husband divorced her. Nice guy. Left her seeing herself die, not being able to raise her eight-year-old boy, her only child. So when I talked to her, the first thing I said to her was, uh, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? She said, yes, I do. I said, will he heal you in this conversation that I'm having with you before we hang up? She said to me, and this is now her email sent back to me after the fact. He asked me if God would heal me while we're on the conversation or on the phone call. My response to him was, I don't know anything about healing. I've never seen one, so my answer is, I don't know. He proceeded to tell me story after story after story of people being healed from cancer. And right in mid-sentence, he stopped and said, hey, do you feel that? Do you feel that? Right there. That's your healing. She said, actually, I did. It dropped me to my knees. And for the first time, I saw my hands lifted up to God, worshiping him on my knees. She said, I felt power go down into the area of lymph nodes that the doctor said was fresh cancer cells, and there was heat that went into it. At the same moment, I realized my dog is barking, and he never barks. There were too many coincidences for me to deny that God had just done something in my body, but I'm an RN, and I wanted to read the oncology report before I told anybody. Ten days later, I read it myself. It said, there is no cancer left in your body. Jesus is so good. See, this is why we shared what we did in the morning, because the more you let him become real, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Can you really improve on that? Now, that's a beautiful song because it shows that there's an intimacy and there's a reality of God. Come on, without keeping this service any longer, if you're ready to have hands laid on you, all I need to ask you is your faith will be involved with what you receive. People say, well, what should I do? Well, what do you see? The man received a prayer cloth and he rubbed it all over his body. 
So now someone says, well, I'm going to rub it all over my body. But is that connected to your heart? Or is it just connected to what you heard? You say, well, I don't know that. Well, are you connected to your heart? See, if you're living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, it means you're connected and aware of the Spirit. And the Holy Ghost will always lead you in and out of any problem. Just like Jesus worked with the disciples, the Holy Ghost works with you. So the moment hands are laid on you, take one moment to see what you see. You may see yourself running. You may see yourself for a shoulder, get down and do push-ups. You may see yourself just lifting up your hands and worshiping God. What do you see? Because you see something. You say, I do? <laughs> yes, you do. The things we preach tonight cause you to see something. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.